0: The Bible tells us in this verse that it will not be by might, nor will it be by power, but it will be by my Spirit, saith the Lord. This age of grace and the, and the time of the Holy Ghost has begun really from and after the glorification of Jesus and the outpouring, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit some 2,000 years ago. If you turn back to John chapter 15, I want to take just some uh, verses this morning just to bring us through this. John chapter 15, and uh, in some ways it's like an introduction. We'll begin uh, at the beginning, I suppose, and we'll also go to the end, but then in the weeks to come we'll, we'll zero in, as it were, in the last days, the days in which we're living in and the, and the work of the person of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter fifteen and verse twenty-six, Jesus said these words, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. So here is it's prophetic at this time that the Lord would send the comforter, that's the Holy Ghost. And He will be sent in the name of the Father and He is the Spirit of truth. And His primary purpose here is that He will testify of Jesus. That is His work. He will testify of the Lord. His whole purpose is the glorification of Jesus Christ. To glorify none other but Jesus. That's our desire. So we want to align ourselves with the work of the Holy Ghost in everything that we do. We do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. If you turn over then into the next chapter, John chapter 16 and verse 7, then we see uh, the Lord is beginning to reveal to the disciples the age or the time of the Holy Spirit. He said in John 16 and verse 7, Nevertheless, <clears throat> I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now he's speaking of his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his exaltation and his uh, glorification that he sits down or sat down on the throne. He says, and when he has come, he will reprove the world. Here Here is the work of the Holy Ghost. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on Me, of righteousness because I go to My Father and ye see Me no more, and of judgment because the Prince of the world is judged. So now we see the Lord is promising that the Holy Spirit would come subsequent to His death, burial, resurrection, and exaltation to the throne. You turn over into Acts chapter 2. I know these verses are familiar, but I just want... Uh, to build uh, this message this morning through God's Word. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 is familiar uh, words to us this morning, but this then is the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit and ushering in the age of the Holy Spirit upon the earth. Acts 2 and verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came That initial outpouring some 2,000 years ago brought an introduction to the age, if you like, of the Holy Spirit, and it's important to understand this and know this. That was the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, Jesus prayed to the Father in John chapter 17, this great chapter where Christ is praying to the Father. I'm going to bring out just a couple of points, but it's a chapter that's Worth reading. But he prayed these words. He says, All and all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And he says, And I am glorified in them. I'll be glorified in my people. Verse 11, he says, Holy Father, keep them through thine own name. In verse 13, he says, That they, that is you and I, that that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In verse 15, he says, I pray that you would not take them out of the world but that you keep them from evil in the world. He prayed in verse 17 that we would be sanctified, sanctify them through the truth, and thy word is truth. In verse 18 he says, and you have sent me, even so have I also sent them into the world. This is the prayer that Jesus had with the Father concerning you and I as His followers. He said in verse 22, that the glory which Thou givest Me, I'll give them My glory. This is what Jesus prayed to the Father. And the purpose for the glory to be given to the church as individuals is that they might be one. That there was a unity. Even as we are one. In verse 24, He said, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am, that they might behold My glory. He would give us His glory but there's going to be a day where we would behold His glory. In verse 26, He says, I have declared unto them Thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith Thou hast loved Me may be in them and I in them. This prayer in chapter 17 that the Lord prayed to the Father, He knew that that prayer would be answered by the promise of the Father, that is, the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of truth. If you look at all those prayers and the requests that the Lord made and the intercession that He made with the Father, all of that comes around by the work of the Holy Spirit. He will be glorified in us by the power of the Spirit. We would have His joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Holy Ghost in this kingdom is righteousness, peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That He is the Spirit of truth. We would be sanctified by the Word of God. He would send us into the world. He wouldn't take us out of the world, but that He would keep us from evil in the world. How are we kept? We're kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. He would give us His glory. His glory would be in us because we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so Christ would be seen in us. He is the glory of God. And so He would give us the glory, not only would He give us the glory, but He prayed that one day, one day, that we will behold His glory. One day we will see Him. One day we will leave this place. We will fly away and we will meet the Lord in the earth and we will behold the glory of this Christ. And this is the prayer. This is the prayer of the Lord for His people. This is the prayer that he made to the Father concerning his followers and he knew that this was possible because God is three in one because when he prayed he knew that the Holy Ghost would come to make this possible. In Acts chapter in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 this is what the Lord said to the disciples being assembled together With them, He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. How was this prayer that He made with the Father? And I know there's an area here that is a mystery to us. It is the Godhead. But when He prayed that prayer to the Father, we know that this was all going to be made possible, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. He would make all of this possible not by our human endeavor or by our organizational skills or our intellect or everything and those things are wrong. But He would make all of this possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so He says, Wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so we see that the Lord would want and desire that we one day will behold the glory of the Lord. When we leave this earth, when He comes for His bride or He calls us home, we will behold the glory of this Christ. That was the prayer of the Son to the Father and that's possible only by the Holy Ghost. He said in John 17 and 24, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory. Paul writes in Romans 8 and verse 18, this is what he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. There is a glory coming That is the hope that we have as Christians. That is the hope that we have in this world. It's Jesus Christ. And how is all of this going to be possible? How is it possible? Would you say it with me? It's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. One day, we are going to behold the glory of God. We shall see Him face to face. And the one who is responsible for the gathering, the preparation, and one day, as we understand it, the rapture of the church or the catching away of the church to meet the Lord in the earth, the one who is responsible for all of that to take place is the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that we need to know the workings and understand the dealings of the Holy Spirit in the last days that we are ready, that we are prepared, that as we sang this morning, that we have oil in our lamps when the Lord comes. And this is for sure this morning that we know, and it's fine in 1 king just this verse, but this is the confidence that we have. It says, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto His people according to all that He has promised. There has not failed one word of all His good promise. Which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. I want to tell you something very clearly this morning, and this is to the saved and the unsaved. But every word that's found in this book will be fulfilled. Not one word is going to fail. Not one word of his promise is going to fail. The Holy Spirit will bring everything in the line to the Word of God for the glory of Christ. He is responsible for the greatest, I believe the greatest moment that this world will ever see or witness. I want you to listen carefully this morning, saved and unsaved. I want you to listen very carefully because this, this, I believe, is upon us. I believe there's an urgency to understand the works of, and the dealings of the Holy Spirit as we see the prophetic fulfillment in our day. That's happening not by man, not by the Antichrist. That's all coming together by the Spirit of God. He is coordinating everything for the glory of the Lord. We're about to see something, I believe, very soon. I don't know the day or the hour or the moment. I can't tell you that. I don't believe any man can tell you that. But I believe there's enough around us indications in the week that we have seen and in particular the last years that we have witnessed that this day is upon us very soon. If you turn over into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to speak about this day. I looked at the beginning of the age of the Holy Spirit, but I want to take you just to the end of this current age of grace. And this is all by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul writes and says these words, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Remember, not one word will fail. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Here is what is known as in general circles as the rapture of the church or the catching away to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We know of a certainty when the Lord ascended 2,000 years ago and those feet left the Mount of Olives, the word of the angel came that the same Jesus shall return in like fashion. He's coming again. It's known as the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a fundamental of the church. It's for us, those who believe this morning, we have an assurance that Christ is coming and He's coming soon. And He's coming for His people. We're about to witness something. You know, it's a tragedy what we have seen in the last number of weeks. I'm sure most of us have witnessed it, seen bits and pieces of it on the television screens and on the radio and so forth. The absolute carnage in Afghanistan. Everybody everybody, see it okay. We have seen the, the absolute mess. I'm just so thankful this morning that This great rapture or the catching away of the church doesn't rest with man. I'm so thankful that every person in this room that's saved and washed in the blood and born of the Spirit, that there will be nobody left behind. I'm talking about the believer this morning, by the way. There is not one person who's washed in the blood who has the name of Jesus who's been born of the Spirit of God, praise God this morning, He's not going to leave one of us behind. Thank God it doesn't rest with the White House or Downing Street. Thank God our hope is in Jesus. So we know we have an assurance this morning that this church, this global church around this world, those believers that are in Kabul today, those believers that are in China, in Nepal, up in the mountains of Bhutan, here in Balnahench, and across this world, there is a moment coming when Jesus Christ will come again for His church. How does all that happen and how does all that work? It happens by the power of the Holy Ghost. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you turn over to it, Paul writes again there in verse 54 and says these words, at this moment, there is an experience that takes place that is beyond the logic of man. It's beyond the intellectual ability of man. It goes outside of our ability to fully grasp it logically, but by faith, we understand it. In 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us at that moment, verse 54, So when this corruptible shall boot on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, we can say, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be the God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now we know in the logic of this, for men to hear this, they believe that you and I are from another planet, they're, they're right, we are. They can't grasp the logic. This is not logical. All the great scientists of the world, all the great intellectuals, the Hawkins, the Dawkins, and whoever else, all these great men that this world looked to cannot grasp any of what I'm talking about this morning. But see, by faith, we can understand this. And so we are looking here at the operation of, of the Holy Spirit that's that's going to work in these days. There's about to be the greatest airlift this world has ever heard and seen of. God is coming for His bride. He's coming for His church. Now we're going to look at the dealings of the Holy Spirit with the bride in the last days. And I really believe that the Lord, by His Spirit, is dealing with the church. He's making her ready for His coming. But I want to show you this morning that the work of the Holy Ghost, all of this is going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Actually, this is so exciting. I don't know about you, but are you excited about going home? Are you so worldly-minded that no longer you're thinking about the eternal things? But we are about to go home. We are going to leave this earth. And I want to show you just something very simple the work of the Holy Spirit, the dealings of the Holy Spirit, and the power, the infinite power of the Spirit of God. Because if you're struggling to grasp this, if you're struggling to take this in this morning, that in a moment, that every person that's saved in this room, I want you to listen, it's very important, that everyone that is saved in this room instantaneously is going to be changed by the power of God. The Bible just told us that this corruption, this body is going to be changed and put on an incorrupt body. That's going to happen in a moment. The Bible has just told us that the dead in Christ shall rise first. We looked at this tripart being just a few weeks ago, body, soul and spirit, an eternal soul. That your soul will spend either eternity in heaven or eternity in a lost sinner's hell that you have an eternal soul. But this body, because it's fallen, this body, because it's corrupt, this body will be changed instantaneously by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now if you take the millions of Christians, born-again Christians all across this world, by the power of the Holy Ghost, instantaneously in a moment, every single one of us are going to be changed into His likeness. The corruptest being was going to put on incorruption. The mortal that is with subject to death is going to put on immortality. And those that are dead in Christ, this is the hope of the resurrection. Their bodies will be raised from the seas, from the ground, from the ashes, all over this world. Every, all the millions of those that have died in the faith, they'll be raised in a moment incorruptible and we that are remaining and alive will be changed instantaneously by the power of God and then all of us are going to be caught up and to meet the Lord in the air now that's a supernatural event that's beyond the realms of the greatest brain on this earth they cannot see this they would lock us up for believing something like this it does not come into the realm of logic or science We've heard it all about science over the past couple of years, but this is in the realm of faith. And so instantaneously, we're all going to be changed. But look at the power of the Holy Ghost. Look at the power of the Spirit. You go back to Genesis chapter 1. This is why the enemy, it is the enemy, by the way, that would seek to bring in the theory of evolution into our education systems. This is why the enemy wants to take out from our schools and from society that in the beginning, God, why does he want to do that? Why does he want to bring these theories into our education system, into our workplaces, into science, and everything? Because he wants to blind people from the truth. And so the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, read the two verses with me. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I I want to show you something that's so simple, but it's so profound. We read here in the first chapter the story of creation. This is how it all began. There's a beginning. But there's also an end. But if we look at the beginning, we see the awesome, infinite power of the Holy Ghost. We see God in the beginning. We see the Holy Ghost hovering over the face of the deep. We see a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to pick one day of the days of creation. How many days? Six literal days, in case anyone wants to ask me. Six literal 24-hour days. God made it all. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16, we look at day 4. And this is just one day. But this is the work of the Holy Ghost. It says in Genesis 1 and verse 16 that God, you know what it just simply says? I just want to make it so easy this morning. God made... Two great lights. Just think about it for a moment. It just says God made two great lights. How did He do that? How did that happen? By the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Those two great lights, the greater light was to rule the day. Now you can put your hand up. Which light do you think that is? Or we're going basic. What is it? The sun. The greater light was the sun. I want to take a moment. God made the sun. Praise the Lord. God made the sun. I know this is basic, but I want want you to see this. Very simple. The sun, they tell me, the sun is 864,400 miles wide. God made that. God made that. This is about 109 times the diameter of the earth. The sun weighs 300, I don't know how to work this out, but 333,000 times as much as the earth. That's a lot of weight. That's all I would say. It is so large, they say, they say that you can fit 1,300,000 planet earths in the sun. Day four, it simply says that God made Two great lights. He just spoke the word. And the power of the Holy Ghost brought the Son into being like that. You wonder how He's going to get us off this earth. You wonder how He's going to change us all in an instant. You wonder how the dead and Christ are going to rise first. And we are all going to be collectively caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. Just in an instant, by the power of His word and by the Holy Ghost, He created the Son. And God made that. The lesser light was to rule the night. Anyone guess what that one is? You put your hand up and shout it out if you want. It's the moon. Praise the Lord. It was real simple this morning. The moon has a diameter. It might be a bit of a letdown after the sun, but the moon's amazing, isn't it? You ever see the moon? You ever see sometimes, especially if you see it during the day? Or recently, did you see the red moon? You're driving along. Look at the moon. Some nights we get home and the moon just sort of looks as though we're just sitting just right in front of you, just hovering just over the hill in front of you. And it's beautiful. But the moon has a diameter of 2,159 miles. It's about the quarter of the size of our earth. It weighs 80 times less than the earth, but it's still heavy. It's still heavy. The Bible tells us this. In Colossians 1 and 15, that He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. The Bible says, For by Him were all things created that are in the heaven and in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, and all things were created by Him and for Him. He's before all things, and by Him everything consists. That's Jesus. Everything of this universe consists by him, and everything was created by him, the Word of God. And how did it all come into being? By the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. When God said about the Word in the beginning, in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. The power of his word and the power of the Holy Ghost. Five words close out Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16. Two great lights, the sun and the moon. And then five words, five words that are the most profound words that we can. Grasp or understand. It just simply says, He made the stars also. The sun was impressive, wasn't it? The moon might have let you down a bit. But let me tell you something. He made the stars also. They say, I don't, know who, I don't know who counts them, but they say, <laughs> I think there's a wee man down in Armagh Planetarium. His name's Sammy. He's sitting there. It says that there's, <laughs> that there's one billion trillion stars in our observable universe. One billion. I can just see, can you see Sammy sitting there? And then Lily opens the door and says, do you want a cup of tea? And he goes, I have to start again. <laughs> one billion trillion trillion stars in our observable universe and yet they say there's much more beyond that you know you don't need to count them because he's already counted them for us the psalmist says in psalm 147 and verse 4 he telleth the number of the stars not only does He tell us the number of the stars, but you know what it says next? It says, He calleth them all by their names. They say, and God knows, they say that there are one billion trillion stars. And God knows each one by name. But you know what I love about that psalm? It goes on to say great is our Lord and He's great in power and His understanding is infinite. But see when He just before he gets to the point where he says, He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Do you know what the preceding two verses are? I want you to listen to this. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. you know what it says next? He healeth the broken in heart, and he bindeth up their wounds. Friends, this morning, he's so great. He's so mighty. He's so awesome. He's so infinite. But you know what he's interested in? He's interested in a heart that's broken. He's come, the great and the mighty one that inhabiteth eternity. He's come yet for those that are broken, those that are maimed, those that are pressed down, those that are crushed. He is the God He is an awesome God. He's an almighty God, but He's interested in you. He is a mighty God, but He's interested in you. It is through Him and it is by Him that everything has been created by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Word was spoken and through the function and the operation of the Spirit, everything came into being. Now, how do I understand that? How do I grasp that? I want you to take the verse this morning It's important. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 says these words. How do I grasp this? Hebrews 11 and 3 says that through faith, through faith, we understand. That the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. So here's the important thing. This is, the, this is amazing because it just simply means it's not through intellect. It's not through science. Now I greatly appreciate those in the Christian ministries that stand for the Christian creation truth. It's so important that they do and they present the realities and the truth of Scripture. But for me to understand this, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. It's through faith that I understand this. So what I'm saying to you this morning is the fact that God has created everything shatters all the wisdom and the intellect of this world. They can't comprehend a believer. They don't understand you or me. They don't understand why you believe in a six-day creation. How can you believe that God created this? Have you not heard of evolution? That they proved it. That they proved evolution, the theory of evolution. They haven't proved anything, friend. Their intellect and all their great science and all the people that they have behind all of this, they simply are blind men and cannot see. If I go to a blind man and I simply put up six digits, four fingers, two thumbs, and say to that blind man, how many fingers am I holding up? He can't see what I put before him. It's impossible. Why? Because he's blind. He can't see it. But the Bible says that it's through faith we understand the book. It's by faith that we grasp it this morning that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And everything that's in the earth and everything that's in the universe has all been created by Him. And we see it. Why? Because our eyes have been opened by the power of the Holy Ghost. What needs to happen is a man needs to be born again in order for him to see. And if a man's born again and he sees He meets the Creator. Who's the Creator? His name is Jesus. And when you meet the Creator, He reveals His creation. And so you have no problem believing in six days God created everything. And by the power of His Spirit, He's about to come for His church, the Bride. And everyone that is saved is going to be changed instantly by the power of God. We... could very well, I can't say it for certain, but we could very well see and live in this hour when Christ could come again. And 1 Thessalonians, we read it there in verse 4 and verse 13, he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord will not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. At that moment, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want you to listen very carefully this morning about the operation and the function of the Holy Spirit in the last days. I want you to hear me very clear. I want to be very clear this morning to those that are not saved in this room. It's so important that you know this. We're looking in these weeks, God willing, to the work of the Holy Ghost with the church in particular and how He will prepare the bride how will He adorn the bride and how will he make the bride ready for the coming of the Lord? I want you to listen very carefully. You see, some are sitting in this room this morning and they don't understand it. And they can't see it. And they think of what I'm saying, it doesn't, under, it doesn't make sense to them. How is that possible? Do you honestly believe? Do you honestly believe as a church? Do you honestly believe as Christians that in a moment, that everyone who's saved across this whole planet that everyone who has died in Christ across this world is going to be raised out of the grave? That all of us who remain are going to be caught up, all the blood blood, all the Christians across? The Do you honestly believe that you're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth? Do you believe that Jesus is going to come in the clouds with great might and great power in all His glory? Do you honestly believe that in a moment this entire, this entire planet and the entire universe is going to be changed to welcome in Jesus Christ and 10,000 of His saints and there be such a glory that that, that we will be caught up to meet the Lord and the earth. Do you actually believe what you sang this morning? That one some glad morning when this life is over, we're all going to fly away? And so it's so difficult for some to understand it. I tell you why. Because you're not saved. You haven't Accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and your eyes have not been opened to the reality of the days in which we're living in, of the hour which we've come to. That there's a soon to be a great separation. Listen carefully, friends. There's soon to be a separation because the only ones that will be left behind are those that are not saved, that have rejected Christ that have sat through meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, and they've heard the songs, they've heard the preach, they've heard the prayers, they've come to church, but they've never been saved because they can't see. And in that moment, there's a separation. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said these words in verse 34. He says, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Jesus said, heaven and earth, the Creator said these words, heaven and earth, the one who made the sun, the one who made the moon, the one who made the stars. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall all so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving a marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark and knew not till the flood came. That's how sudden it's going to happen. It's going to be normal life. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to plan my career. I'm going to marry someone. I'm going to get a house. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to go to this country. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. But Jesus said there's a day coming that you don't know of, but it's going to come suddenly, but it's surely going to come because his word will not fail. Of the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given a marriage until the day, there's a day that Noah entered in, and in that day it's for too late. They knew not until the flood came. They heard the words, but they couldn't understand it because they didn't have faith. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior and you're born again, He gives you sight. And it's through faith you understand. That's why we understand we're in urgent days. That's why we understand we're in last days. That's why we can see the events unfolding that Christ is coming That there's a rise of wickedness and the signs are all around us. That's why we understand that because we're intellectual. But through faith that Christ is coming. They knew not. They could not see because the urgency and faith was not in their hearts. They may have an intellectual understanding. I've heard good people Say, yes, I've been brought up in a Christian family. I believe in the creation story. But they're darkened by the power of darkness. And they've never been saved. And you will be left behind on that day. You will be left behind. But I believed in creation. But I believed it was real. But you never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You wanted to live in your sin. You wanted to go your own way. But in a moment, it's too late. That's the urgency. They knew not till the flood came. The Bible says, Jesus says these words, Then shall two be in the field. This is sober, but through faith we understand it. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other is left. There's a separation. Not one saved person will be left behind, but the saved and the unsaved. As Liam said last week, there's only two people in this, types of people in this room, saved and unsaved. And in that moment, two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Why will they be left? Is it because God didn't want to save them? Is it because He didn't die for them? No, friend. Christ died for you. Christ loves you. Christ offers you His forgiveness. It's a gift to receive, but you've rejected the gift. Two will be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what our your Lord does come. And through faith, we understand that He's coming, and He's coming soon. Through faith, we understand that the greatest moment in history is about to unfold before our very eyes, perhaps in this generation, perhaps in the next, but certainly it's going to happen that the Lord is going to come in the clouds. Friends, this morning... The function and the operation of the Holy Ghost at that moment is to gather everyone that has the name of Christ who's born of the Spirit and washed in the blood. And in that instant, we are all instantaneously changed by the power of God. And we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. But there's a separation. Two. Two will be in the field. Listen, friends, this is true. Two will be in the field. Two friends, two work colleagues, two brothers, two sisters, a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, an aunt and a niece, an uncle and a nephew. Two will be in the field, they'll be in the factory. They'll be in the workplace. They'll be out in the car. They'll be down at the beach. They'll be out somewhere. Two, two. Listen to saved, saved and lost. Two. The Bible says. Jesus said. The Creator said. One will be taken. 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 He says, and the other. Which camp are you in this morning, friend? Are you in the one that will be taken or the one that will be left? Which game are you playing this morning with God? One will be taken. The Bible says the other will be left. Listen carefully now. One will be taken. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Will you be taken, or will you be left? Will you be caught up? Or listen carefully, will you be caught on? Will you be caught on? What a moment that's going to be. What a moment that's going to be. But it's a moment that's coming. Or you're trying to frighten us. I tell you, friends, I'm not trying to frighten anyone. But I know one thing that we're living in such a day that we cannot play games and we would never play games with your soul. Because we love you enough to tell you the truth. And there'll be many places you can go and sit and they'll not tell you the truth. But we'll love you enough to tell you the truth. One will be taken, and the other. Will be left. What a day and what a moment that's going to be. The power of the Holy Ghost. Why would we limit Him in any way when it was through the function in accordance to the Word, which is Jesus, that He brought this whole world and this whole universe into existence? We have a confidence. And understand through faith that He's coming and coming soon. And in that moment, we'll all be changed and caught up to meet Him in the earth. One will be taken and the other left. That's the words of Jesus. It's sobering, isn't it? One will be taken. Oh, the Lord, I give my money to the poor. I give it to you t- good. But Lord, I was a good Protestant, I was a good Catholic, I was a good Muslim, I was a good, I'm going to tell you, friends, none of that, none of that religion's going to wash with Jesus. Did you accept him or did you reject him as your Lord and Savior? One will be taken. Friends, this morning, if the Lord would come at the close of this service, I want to tell you very clearly, I want you to listen very carefully to me as a close. If the Lord was to come right at this moment, and the Lord could come right at this moment, and if the Lord was to come right at this moment, if He was to come right at this moment, would you be left? Or would you be taken? If He was to come right at this moment, would you be left, or would you be taken? I pray that every one of us would be taken to be with the Lord. But I know for a surety that not every one of us are ready. But before we close this meeting, you can be ready. You can be ready. One will be taken and the other left. The power of the Holy Ghost on that day as Christ comes in His glory. You'll gather out of this earth, this bride, to meet the Lord in the air. What a day that's going to be. One will be taken and the other left. Oh friend, this morning, what a moment that would be. Can I just go into the heart of someone just for a moment as I'm closing. What will it be? Now, I thought about this. What would it be What would it be for someone at that moment? That you're sitting at a dinner table with your loved ones, or you're sitting on a settee, or you're out for a walk. What would it be at that moment? You've heard the gospel, you know the truth, you've rejected it, you want to live in your sin. You want to do it your way. Let me ask you a question. Can you think of it? What would it be at that moment? When the trumpet goes. Suddenly. That friend or that loved one who's saved. Suddenly. I know what it's going to be for us. It's going to be glory. But what would it be for those in that instant? In that moment. And suddenly, your loved ones caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and you're standing there. What would it be? What will it be, friend? Think about it. Eternity is real. And eternity is long. Eternity is long. To live in eternity with regret. That I had that moment. I want to tell you something. Every person in this room has had the opportunity. Nobody's without excuse. At that moment. Friends, before it's too late. Give your life to Christ. And live for Christ. Because He's coming. Because He's coming. And He's coming soon. Will you be the one taken? Or will you be the one left? I pray every person in this room at that moment will be taken to meet the Lord in the air. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Lord, in the stillness of these few moments, we pray that eternity would come to be a reality in every heart in this room. Lord, that we are here but for a short time. That our lives are like a vapor of air, appears for a time and then it's gone. Lord, this morning we pray, O God, that we'd think on these eternal things, Lord, that we'd not be deceived by the pleasures of sin that only last a short time. But, O oh God, we pray that we'd consider eternity and consider Jesus. Oh Father, this morning I pray, Lord, that You'd strive with hearts in this room. And, Lord, if there's one under your conviction, and through faith would respond this morning before this meeting's out, Lord. That they'd be sure to get right. They'd be sure to get right with you, Lord. And that they would seek out afterwards prayer, O oh God, to get right with you. Oh Father, we pray that you'd undertake. Holy Ghost, we just strive. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have that you're coming and you're coming soon. In Jesus name. Amen.